Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Candy. We are recording again, and I am very pumped. Yes, happy Hallow Christmas. <laughs> yes, yes. It is actually Halloween today yes. as we are preparing to record two episodes that relate to our December theme mm-hmm. of Have a Holly Jolly Holiday. Yes. So, you know, we just like to hit all the holidays we here. Do. We celebrate in style. We do. <laughs> it makes me happy, though, because that means we're so far ahead in our recording schedule. It, it makes it, my editor heart happy. It does feel a little nice to be ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also going to feel nice, I think, when you find out what this topic is, because I think you're going to like it. Guys, this is a surprise one. We were able to do two surprise topics in December. This is the first that we're getting ready to record. Ashley, I think you're going to be pumped. All right. I don't know if our little warm-up question is going to give it away, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. So I was, you know, doing a little research and I ran across this article that grabbed my attention. It was a few years old. It was from 2019. Screen Mm -hmm. Rant put it out. Oh gosh, 2019 is a few years old. That sounds crazy. (laughs) But the title was the 10 best original Christmas movie songs ranked. Of course, this is their opinion. Okay. But these are the songs they felt were the top 10 original songs written for movies. Okay. And they do relate to Christmas. Okay. Okay. So would you like to take a few guesses? Hmm. So the qualifications are it's an original song Mm -hmm. that was written for a movie. Yes. And it does relate to Christmas. Well, I know we've already covered White Christmas. And Mm -hmm. that I thought was written for Holiday Inn. But I think you told me last time it was a war song, correct? Yes, I believe that's correct. (sighs) Rudolph doesn't count because it already existed. Holly Jolly Christmas, was it written for Rudolph? Am I anywhere close to anything? You have not hit one yet, okay. but you are definitely thinking along the right lines. In fact, I will tell you one of the songs does come from Rudolph. Uh, the one that Burl Ives sings, mm-hmm. Silver and Gold? Yes, you got one. Okay. Um, can you get a, me a hint on something else? Mm, a couple of these are cartoonish type things. Uh, the kind of Christmas specials that come up every year that are older. Did Charlie Brown have a song? Yes. Okay. Mm, Frosty the Snowman? That is not one of them. But it already I bet it already existed and they made a mm-hmm. cartoon of it. And it also might be that it didn't make the top 10 list for these people. Maybe, right. maybe it was original and it just didn't make this list. So there are two from a Charlie Brown Christmas. Want to take a guess on what one of those da, might da, be? Da, 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 da. Yes. Whatever that song yes. is. Yes. Christmas time is here. That's what it's called. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other from that was Linus and Lucy. Oh. Where it's just kind of the instrumental. Yeah. I can't yes. do the song, but I know what you're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for me to read the list? I guess. I was hoping I could guess more of them. Is Mariah Carey's on there anywhere? Did she? It's not. Okay. But I did see that on other lists. Yeah, it's so the number it, one song. It just made I forget made who shared here. this. I think it was our friend Ashley McCandless who shared enjoy halloween because she's defrosting and it was a picture of mariah <laughs> carey with like looked like she was behind a window pane and it had cracks in it because all i want for christmas is you is the song of the holidays absolutely absolutely well for this particular list which again as you've said is very specific here's what they decided the ranking would be mm-hmm. number 10 the song believe from polar express oh number nine Christmas Vacation from the movie of the same title. yeah. Is that song by Faith Hill in there from The Grinch? One from The Grinch is in there, but it's the most classic of all. Oh, yeah. You're a mean one. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Okay. Number eight is One More Sleep Till Christmas from The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I should have guessed The Muppets. You just got number seven. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Mm-hmm. Number six, Mr. Snow Miser and Mr. Heat Miser <gasps> oh, from A Year Without a Santa Claus. Isn't that? I'm, that's such a classic. I'm shamed. I'm <laughs> shamed. Yes. 
Uh, you also got number five, silver and gold from Rudolph. Mm-hmm. What's this from the Nightmare Before yes. Christmas? What's is this? Number four. What's this? There's magic in the air. That one. <laughs> yep. Number three, Christmas time is here. You named that mm-hmm. one. Number two, you got Luce, Linus and Lucy. Well, Both I did. Really, from, you kind of told me that one. Well, with a little help, you got yes. those from a Charlie Brown Christmas. And number one, have yourself a merry little Christmas from Meet Me in St. <gasps> Louis. Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, Judy, I love thee. Well, good, because she's the topic <gasps> of this episode. Judy! We're going to do Judy Garland. Ashley has brought up Judy Garland several times this year. I have. You want to tell them why she's been a hot topic? Because she turned, she would have turned 100 years old this year. That's right. This would have been her 100th birthday. Mm -hmm. So she has been all over the news. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. But I I want to kind of wrap this little piece up first. Since we just identified Have Yourself a Merry Little Mm -hmm. Christmas as the number one Christmas song that was created for a movie, let me just share just a tiny bit more about this based on what I found. Here's a quote from that same article. Though not strictly a Christmas movie, Meet Me in St. Louis is responsible for giving us one of the most played and most well-known Christmas carols ever written. Mm-hmm. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was specifically written for Judy Garland to premiere in the picture. Mm-hmm. And then they go on to say, though many have covered it, Frank Sinatra to Michael Buble, Judy Garland's will always be the original recording that stapled the song into our collective consciousness around the holiday season. It's just so perfect for her little warbly, beautiful voice. Yeah, she did such a beautiful job. In fact, I went back this week and I watched that movie that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And so I got to to appreciate it. I have the recording. We probably won't play it right here, but we'll put in our show notes the YouTube clip of her singing just that song. Mm-hmm. By the way, it was from 1944, which is hard to believe. 1944. I mean, yeah. think how long ago this was. I know. And that was it's pre- coming up on this 2019 list as being the number one song. It is. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. It, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, it was beautiful. Just a little bit more behind the scenes about the particular song. During a 1989 interview with in PR, one of the the late songwriters talked about not being able to make the carols, quote, madrigal-like tune work, and they almost threw it in the wastebasket. No. Yeah. So what happened was, supposedly, the actor who played John Truitt, the love interest for Esther in the movie, Uh was one... Yeah, he said, you're going to regret it if yeah. you don't use this song. They ended up digging around. They did find the song, pulled it out. They decided to use it. But the first draft was considered to be too dark. Film producers said, quote, no, no, it's a sad scene, but we want sort of an upbeat song, which will make it even sadder if she's smiling through her tears. Mm-hmm. Well, Judy herself was concerned about it. She felt like, if you guys remember from the movie, this was a moment when the younger sister, Tootie, is brokenhearted because mm-hmm. the family's going to have to leave their home, their beloved Mm -hmm. St. Louis, and they're going to have to move to New York. Mm -hmm. And Judy's character herself, Esther, is also heartbroken because she's just come from basically telling her loved one, who her loved fella who proposed to her, I don't know if we can do this right now because Mm -hmm. I should go with my family. Mm -hmm. So it's this moment of just heartbreak Mm -hmm. for both of them. And Judy was afraid that if she sang the song the way it was written, that she would look like a, quote, monster. Mm. So in fact, I'll just read from her words herself. She said, if I sing that, Little Margaret will cry and they'll think I'm a monster. So the original lyrics would have gone like this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Oh, I remember that. Next year we may all be living in the past. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Pop that champagne cork. Next year we may all be living in New York. No good times like the olden days. Happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who were dear to us will be near to us no more. Oh, Judy was right. <laughs> Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. <laughs> oh, dear. Can you imagine? Nice, nice rendition, Thank you. though. So they did change it to the lyrics that we now recognize from the movie. Mm-hmm. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Yes. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Not Have our your, last. Right? <laughs> Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Mm-hmm. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. In her recording, though, she also <sighs> flip-flops it. 
she says, uh, faithful friends will be dear to us or will be near to us, gathered dear to us once more or something. She mixes up the words. Oh. I'm pretty sure. I didn't catch that. Yeah. I didn't see anything, but that's a good catch. So what ends up happening, of course, is that she definitely did not come across as a monster. In fact, she ends up releasing that song as a single and it resonated in particular with American troops who were serving overseas. Oh, and so yeah. she even ended up doing a very famous performance, very emotional rendition of the song for deploying World War II soldiers at the Hollywood Canteen back in 1943. Mm. And then just to finish this up, they did change the lyrics just a tiny bit more back in 1957 at the request of Frank Sinatra. Mm. So Frank Sinatra called the songwriter and expressed that he had issues with the line, until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, Sinatra told the songwriter, the name of my album is a is a jolly Christmas. Do you think we could jolly up that line a little bit? <laughs> so in the end, they changed the lyric for the one we hear now. So hang a shining star upon the highest bough. Mm -hmm. And then Judy herself even adopted that version sometimes mm. when she was singing the song. Okay. So that's kind of how the song played out. Okay, gotcha. All right, we did a little rabbit trail there. Oh, Judy. But we're going to move now. Francis Gum. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about your background with Judy Garland. Oh, goodness. Well, it's kind of like the Marilyn Monroe background. I know a lot of a little of her life. I've listened to her records a long time. Uh, she was always in my range when I would sing. So I would mm. try to sing like her. I've listened to her earliest records. I've watched her movies with Mickey and Judy. Let's put on a show, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So probably influenced my love of theater. I adore her daughter, Liza, which I I got from my mom that adoration my mom loved mm -hmm. Liza so she would always play those records the holiday records that she would be a part of listen to those every holiday so Wizard of Oz you know seen a lot of her movies yeah so just kind of been a part of my life but not a, I'm not an uber fan mm -hmm. you know I don't know everything about her but I know a little about a lot of her life well feel free to jump in okay quite frequently because this was another one of those topics that was so monstrously huge mm -hmm. that as I was researching I would have to strategically go I can't even go there right. I mean I already have like 16 17 pages of notes right I can't right. cover everything so you feel free to jump in and flesh out some areas where I'm being a little surface level yeah but I did purposefully watch meet me in St. Louis mm -hmm. I looked up some clips from a star is born mm. I found a couple of interviews one in particular from her daughter Lorna Luft Lorna. which was yeah very revealing and so I feel like I know a lot more about her Good. and I have a much greater appreciation yes. because honestly before I went into this my greatest exposure was A Wizard of Oz really? which I had seen a million times yeah. but I didn't know her very well outside of that mm. she yeah. was a boy she was a, she was a lot like Marilyn to me I think very complicated very misunderstood and very very abused by people in power I'm not going to say men in power because I'm sure there was men and women in power that mm -hmm. just you know took this beautiful talented child part of a trio of sisters and kind of I don't remember if if mom was a stage mom or not yes, but she was okay mm -hmm. brought her the gum sisters and then isolated this one kid who had all of his talent and just she was so tiny and they just put her on these uppers and downers and then started her down this road of ruin and then blamed her for the way she turned out it's mm -hmm. just it's so sad yeah very tragic very tragic but let's go ahead and start at the beginning all right because of it being the 100th anniversary I will say this first before we start talking about her life itself there have been so many special events honoring her because I think what you touched upon is that we know her for being this Hollywood icon mm -hmm. we know her for what happened to her and the mm -hmm. tragic life that she lived but she is also still to this day very celebrated yes. for her talent for her beloved nature, the fact that people did connect to her because of, in some ways, her vulnerability and her underdog nature. Mm -hmm. You know, she was somebody who was fighting against things that were just kind of oppressing her. Or she pushing had this voice her. that just did not look like it should come out of something so tiny. It was such a big voice. And she was only about 4'11", I think, full height. She, was she really? I believe so, because I always remember my sister is 4'11". I remember mm. going, oh, she's the same size. That Looking at Baby it going, man, Judy was tiny, you know, looking at my sister. But yeah. Yeah. Well, a few 
of the things that I found when I did some light research, Saturday, October 22nd, so just recently for us, in Hannibal, Missouri, they held their 2022 Missouri Wizard of Oz days. Mm. And to celebrate this 100-year mark, they did something special. They brought in Judy Garland's son, Joe Left, as a special guest. Mm. They also brought in featured guests from Little House on the Prairie to basically act out the Wizard of Oz. Oh. So they had Allison Armgren, who played Nellie Olson as the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> they had Miss Beatles, the actor who played Miss Beatles, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I missed her last name, but we know who we're talking about. She played Glinda the Good Witch. And the girl, Wendy Lee, who played Baby Grace Ingalls, played Dorothy. Aww. They also had Michael Seward, who is an Oz and Judy Garland historian involved with this event. Cool. So it was a big deal. And of course, those celebrities stayed all day and signed autographs and sold merchandise and did all kinds of great things. A different thing they did to celebrate Judy was back in June, which was her birth month, the Smithsonian Associates had an evening lecture that was entitled Judy Garland, 100th Birthday Tribute. And then just a third example, she was born in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. So there is a museum there and they had a Judy Garland 100th birthday celebration where they honored her. They had events for all ages. They had included movie showings, meet and greets, guided tours. They had a 5K race, a 100th birthday fundraising dinner, all kinds of stuff just to celebrate her birthday. So three examples. That's amazing. Of how she has been honored this year. <clears throat> Having said all that, let's go ahead and dig into Judy herself. You named it. She was actually born Frances Ethel Gum on June 10th, 1922. in, of course, Grand Rapids, Minnesota. We just said that. We know her as the star of many classic musical films. And she's also well known for not only her tremendous talent, but how troubled her life was. Mm -hmm. Her parents were actually vaudeville professionals. Mm. which was part of the reason why she started her stage career at such a young age. Mm -hmm. They referred to Judy as baby gum when she was little. And her first public appearance was when, well, performance, I should say, was when she was two and a half and she sang Jingle Bells. Mm. And then she started, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, performing very young, at a very young age, with her two older sisters, and they were known as the Gum Sisters. So in 1926, the Gum family moved to California, where Judy and her sisters studied acting and dancing, and they played numerous gigs that their mother, Ethel, had arranged for them, because from a very young age, Ethel basically acted as their manager and agent. Their momager. Mm-hmm. So in the late 1920s, the Gum Sisters had also appeared in several short films, just small mm -hmm little parts mm -hmm. but she did not have a happy childhood her mother as you've already alluded was described as being a stage mom and Judy Garland was quoted as saying in 1963 kind of looking back at her on her life she said the only time I felt wanted when I was a kid was when I was on stage performing mm. and again this pressure from her mom and her mother's domineering personality was part of this because in 1967 she told Barbara Walters in an interview that quote she would sort of stand in the wings when I was a little girl and if I didn't feel good if I was sick to my tummy she'd say you get out and sing or I'll wrap you around the bedpost and break you off short so I'd go out and sing good golly yeah I'm assuming that means beater like spanker I think so yeah. in fact a different time in an interview she referred to her mother as the real wicked witch of the west oh yeah that's a horrible legacy that really is yeah now her parents relationship was troubled too I can't imagine why <laughs> So another quote from Judy, as I recall, my parents were separating and getting back together all the time. Mm -hmm. It was very hard for me to understand those things. And of course, I remember clearly the fear I had of those separations. Mm. So unrest with her parents, mm -hmm. unrest at home, pressure on her at a to very perform. young age and performing was a huge part of her life. And that's where she actually felt, I think, more successful because she knew she was good at that. This is a question you may not have the answer to. So mm -hmm. do you know, was Judy's performance feeding the family? Like, if you don't do this, we're not going to eat? Or was it just mom was ambitious and I want you to perform because I want you to be a star? I don't know the answer okay. to that. So that's a good question. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. Just a wondering. Well, Judy started to stand out because in August 30th of 1932, there was a review of one of their stage shows that had been held at LA's Paramount Theater. And in that review, the Variety reviewer said that the singing trio, quote, socked with two numbers 
lovers and then went on to single out Judy mm. as being the selling point of mm. that act. He referred to her as the 10-year-old sister with a pip of a low-down voice. Kid stopped the show. Oh, yeah. I would say so. If she's this tiny little thing and has this big voice mm -hmm. and she's the baby of the family, it's always more impressive when the tiny baby can right. has all of this talent. Absolutely. So they said that the Gum Sisters transformed into the Garland Sisters at the World's Fair in Chicago in 1934. And traveling with their mom, the sisters played at a theater with a comedian named George Jessel, who was supposedly the one who suggested that name change, that they yeah. become the Garland Sisters. Yeah. That was at about the same time that Judy stopped being called Baby and went for the more mature name, Judy. So she just changed, fully changed her name. Not yeah. even Frances. She didn't even go from Frances Garland to Judy Garland. She just picked Judy out of a hat? Or was it from that misquoted Cary Grant line, Judy, Judy, Judy? I saw, I watched, one of the things I watched was this 30-minute clip. I skipped parts of it, but I watched most of this clip of the movie premiere for A Star is Born. Mm -hmm. And there was a studio exec, I can't remember which one, who got on stage and said something about he took credit for changing her name mm. and felt like her original just didn't have star power. Mm -hmm. So I believe it was his... It was a suggestion that came because they wanted it to be friendlier. They wanted it to basically sound more impressive. Now, that's that conflicts with this version that said it was this comedian who yeah. did it. But this happens all the time in well, research yeah. where different people take credit for different yeah, things. Yeah, once you get famous, they're like, oh, I was the one that said this. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Yeah, so I don't know the true answer for that, but those are a couple different versions that I heard. But it was common in that time to change names. Absolutely. So Yeah, absolutely. So at some point along the way, her parents, these vaudeville you know, stars who, who knew how things worked, they figured out Judy was the star. Mm -hmm. And so she became in 1935 a solo act. And it was also in 1935, actually, it was September that she signed a movie contract with MGM. She was 13 yeah, years old. because she's only 16 in The Wizard of Oz, and mm -hmm. that's 1939. Yeah. She debuted on the, a radio broadcast that same November, one of the songs that's most Dear closely. Mr. Gable? It was Did actually she... Zing with the Strings oh, yeah. of My Heart. Okay. Yep. That was on radio. The that, that actually came out first. And it was shortly after that program aired that Judy actually suffered one of her greatest personal tragedies. I'm sure it, it was the greatest at that time of her life. It was when her father, Frank, passed away of spinal meningitis. Mm. That was November of 1935. Mm. But despite all that, of course, Judy was on that path to stardom, which had a lot to do with mom. Yep. And the combination of Ethel and the studio made Judy's life basically a nightmare. Yeah. They said that when even though she had signed, the studio was a little slow at first to find roles for her, but immediately she was getting criticized for her appearance. She said later, quote, from the time I was 13, there was a constant struggle between MGM and me, whether or not to eat, how much to eat, what to eat. Mm. I remember this more vividly than anything else about my childhood. Yeah, it was the focus of her childhood. Perform yeah. and don't eat. Perform and be skinny. Right. So one of her first feature films film roles was in Pigskin Parade 1936. Have you seen that one? I have not. Okay. Sounds and like a football movie. It does sound like a football <laughs> movie. I didn't look it up, but I think you probably make a good guess. So she was the ninth billed performer in that film and the Variety Review in 1936 singled out her performance of the song It's Love I'm After and also her duet on Balboa with Dixie Dunbar. So she was starting to get some attention. Mm -hmm. Interesting little side note. The third billed actor in Pigskin Parade was Jack Haley. Oh. And this, of course, was just a few years before he would end up in The Wizard of Oz. And did you know that in 1974, Judy Garland's daughter, Liza Minnelli, actually married Jack Haley Jr.? I did know that. Of course you knew I that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and this was around the time that she started piggybacking using that girl next door mm -hmm. persona that she mm -hmm. had to start starring in some of these films with Mickey Rooney. I love Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Let's My cat's name for Mickey Rooney. So pa let me pause for a second. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you remember. Why do you love him so much? And, and what do you remember about the two of them starring together? Oh, gosh. Mickey Rooney needs to be his own episode. I... <laughs> Mickey is one of those people that, along with Angela Lansbury, who just mm -hmm. passed away, Betty White, who has passed away recently, and if if Judy had 
had lived, I'm sure would have been her as well, that dedicated literally their entire lives mm. to the entertainment business. Yeah. And when he passed away shortly after Night at the Museum, it was one of those, I don't remember if it was two or three, but it said, it came up on the screen and it said, in remembrance of Mickey Rooney. And there was a kid sitting in front of me and he went, who's Mickey Rooney? Oh, and I was wow. like, oh my gosh, this man just gave you all 90 of his years. And you just said, who is mm-hmm. Mickey Rooney? It just solidified for me how quick right. fame is so fleeting. But anyway, he also was a huge part of my life because of the year without a Santa Claus. Oh, so okay. when I was little, I grew up watching that. So he was my Santa Claus. He was my first Santa Claus mm-hmm. voice. And then I watched the Mickey and Judy films where it's let's put on a show. And they just had such chemistry with each other. You could just tell that Mickey just absolutely adored her, probably was deeply in love with her. And I think even said later in life that he was just, he loved her so, so much. But anyway, so I loved their can-do attitude Mm -hmm. in those films and how well they acted off of each other and how energetic they were. And Mickey is known for being Cary Grant's favorite actor. Oh, really? Yes. He said he was his favorite actor. So anyway, I just, I just love him. And I, I remember again in my little autograph collection, I wrote to him and told him how he was my first Santa Claus. I loved him so much. And back then I was like 16 or 17 years old when I was writing all these things. So I didn't know you were supposed to send an envelope to these stars. Like mm-hmm. here's, the, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I just wrote letters. Right. And I had a little calendar, like a Hollywood stars calendar that I torn out his little face. It was a picture <laughs> of him, you know. Was yeah, a, yeah. But I didn't have the money to like buy an eight by 10. So I sent him this little calendar. He signed that and he sent me an eight by 10 glossy that he Aww. signed. So he's a sweet guy too. Yes. Or at least he was. I don't right. you know. Of course he could have been a horrible person. I have no idea. But to me, he was a darling, sweet man. So when I had my little orange cat, I was trying to think of a name and I considered Rooney a redhead. I was like, who's a famous redhead that I love? And I thought, oh, Mickey Rooney. And I didn't want to call him Mickey because that's too close to like Disney and people Mm -hmm. would go, oh, you named him for Mickey Mouse. No, Mickey Rooney. Nice. I never knew that story. So that's that's new information to me. Cool. Well, back to our little timeline. So it was 1938 when they co-starred in Love Finds Andy Hardy. And as you've alluded, they just had so much chemistry. They were a very popular pairing. They made like seven, or he at least made like 17 Mickey Rooney or Andy Hardy movies. I don't know. It was Andy Hardy. Andy finds love. Andy Hardy gets a job. It was just everything. Well, I did see in my notes, it says that the two of them starred in 10 films together. Mm -hmm. They weren't always. Three of which Mm -hmm. were Andy Hardy movies. And another popular one was their 1939 Babes Babes in Arms. Yep, Mm -hmm. Babes in Arms. Yeah. Now, to give you an example of what life was like for her, here's an example that was in her biography. It said that in both 1937 and 1938, Judy spent periods of time when she was making two films at once. And so she might spend three hours of her day in school, then two hours at singing rehearsal before she would even step in front of the cameras. And then it would be normal for her workday to maybe end at four or five a.m. Oh, yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was. They were cranking out movies, but that's what made them so popular is the frequency of the films. Mm -hmm. They were putting them out there, putting them in front of people. Right. Right. Boy, it just was crazy. Well, and this brings us back to the pressure on her. Because not only is she working nonstop, but that pressure from the studio regarding her looks and her weight is just accelerating. Mm -hmm. It was just tremendous. The older she gets. I found one article mentioned, I just think this is absolutely unbelievable. Supposedly, the studio head, Louis B. Mayer, allegedly called Judy, quote, my little hunchback. Yes, I've heard that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't even. As you said, she was very tiny and she also supposedly had some kind of curvature of her spine. And another detail was because they thought she was overweight, the commissary was ordered to serve her nothing but chicken broth and cottage cheese. Mm -hmm. And supposedly the same studio head, Mayer, even had informants who would watch what she was eating. Now, as you mentioned, she was prescribed amphetamine-based diet pills, which Mm -hmm. was very common at that time Mm -hmm. that was supposed to boost energy and then also help her control her weight but obviously it did not take long before she was addicted she was reliant on that medicine and then she couldn't sleep so she'd have to take sleeping pills 100 percent. and also if you go back and you watch these mickey and judy movies you can see they have to be hepped up on something Mm. because they just look manic 
yeah. completely manic, especially Mickey. So he he probably was on. I don't know if it was self prescribed or doctor or studio prescribed. I, who knows? But they just look like you know the bright eyed and bushing tailed, but to the nth degree. And they didn't know the dangers at no, that time. They no. They probably had they put no cocaine idea. and Coca Cola well, back there. You, you know. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. But it's important to note this is all happening when this girl is a teenager, yes. and of course she's going to have these drug problems for the, the rest. rest of her life yes the rest of her life going back to ethel for a second according to judy garland's biographer gerald clark he was someone who who wrote about her it was actually her mom ethel who first provided her pills oh i don't doubt it yep to ramp up her energy and then other pills to help her sleep mm-hmm. when she was around 10 years old not surprised so it was ethel supposedly who first introduced her to that this, could have also this, stunted her growth it could have that's a really good point so not surprisingly, she continued to have a difficult relationship with her mother, who was also on the MGM payroll. And this I thought I thought was interesting. Their relationship got worse when her mother got married again because mm. Judy Garland supposedly hated her stepfather and the fact that this the second marriage took place on the fourth anniversary of her dad's death. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, you could have picked a different yeah. day. So that was all 1939, which, of course, is also the same year of, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Now, we all know The Wizard of Oz, and we know what an incredible performance she gave. Judy Garland received a special Academy Award. They refer to it as the Academy Juvenile Award for her portrayal of Dorothy. They also gave awards to Herbert Stothart's score and Over the Rainbow for Best Song. Mm-hmm. They went on to say in this article that, of course, that song became Judy's trademark Mm -hmm. and you might be surprised then if if you are one of the many fans of that song to know that they they wanted to cut it Mm -hmm. there was an MGM exec who thought it slowed down the action do you know more about this no just that they wanted to take it out yeah I knew that so they look at that two of her most can you imagine songs that have identified her the most have yourself a merry little Christmas and over the rainbow and these people that think they know better want to cut it oh man it's crazy to think about so the film was popular when it opened but it cost so much Supposedly, according to this Variety article, it was around $3 million, which you can imagine how much that was mm-hmm. back at that time period. But look how much it's made. Well, and that was their point. It stayed in the red until they sold it to television. Ah. And of course, I mean, it was on TV every year for years. Yeah. So that's where it really made its money and also elevated it to the classic status that mm-hmm. we now think of. Well, she went on to make several more musicals, including Strike Up the Band in 1940, Babes of Broadway 1942, and then For Me and My Gal in 1940. 1943 with Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Oh, Gene yeah. Kelly. And this is going to lead us into her first marriage. But before we start talking about this next part of her life, why don't we take a short break? Let's do it. Looking for another gift to put under the tree? Remember, we have Scandalwater t-shirts and stickers available for sale. Just visit our Scandalwater Facebook page. Cheers. All right, we are back. So tell me what you know about Judy's marriages, Ashley. Was Vincent her first? Not her first. Mm, Then I don't remember who her first was. I know she married. No, wait, I don't remember who the first was. But I know Vincent was the second. He's the father of Liza. Mm -hmm. And then Sid Luft was the father of Lorna. Mm -hmm. And what did you say the son's name was? Joe? Joey. Joey. Yeah, I remember that. I think I've actually read Lorna's biography. Oh, have you? Mm -hmm. Long, long time ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in 1941, Judy married David Rose. Oh, yes. I did know that because okay. that's who she broke up with Johnny Mercer for. Remember from our grave episode? Oh. And we were just so scandalized that Johnny Mercer <laughs> was dating 19-year-old. Well, they go. were more than dating. 19-year-old Judy Garland and wrote that song that's about right. her. So, yes, I knew I knew the okay. first name. But, yeah, I didn't. And also David Rose is the name of the son on Schitt's Creek. That's Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, he was a British-born composer and band leader. And he married her when he was 31. She was 19. Mm. He had previously been married to an actress named Martha Ray, who I vaguely remember. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll have to look her up later. Yeah. They married in Las Vegas, but supposedly the marriage really didn't have much chance. He was super, basically introverted. He was a homebody. She was very extroverted. That caused some problems. And then 
there was an article. It was in Town and Country. It was called Who Were Judy Garland's Five Husbands? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Anytime I talk about the marriages, I'm pulling some information from that source along with some others. So just want to go ahead and give it a mm-hmm. shout out right now. But a quote from that article says, adding to the hostilities, Rose, along with Garland's mother, forced her to have a secret abortion after the star found out she was pregnant. Many studio starlets, including Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, received illegal abortions to avoid the impact that pregnancy and motherhood might have had on their careers. So that was something else Mm -hmm. that they started their marriage with, Mm -hmm. and they ended up, of course, divorcing pretty quickly. It was in 1944, so they were together, I guess, basically three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's sad. Mm -hmm. Well, 1944 was the same year that Judy starred in Meet Me in St. Louis, one of her most beloved films. Mm -hmm. And I was, again, having watched it and seeing it, which I thought it was delightful. I I really enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I saw it. Is that the one that has the Charlie song? It does. Okay. Yes, it does. So watching it and seeing how effervescent and bubbly she Mm -hmm. seemed in the movie, I was a little surprised with some of the behind the scenes stories. They said that she was actually a little unhappy during the filming. It was. I think she was a little unhappy her whole life. Well, that's a good point. Just a little unhappy. She did not have high hopes for this movie. She did Mm. not think it was going to be a great one that it was mm-hmm. going to be really well received also she was 22 and she was ready to play more adult yeah, roles right and on top of that she did not get along with the director now you said vincent his yes. name has an e on the end so i wasn't sure if he was vincente or if he was vincent i've always heard of vincent okay well we're going to call him vincent Manelli. Mm-hmm. okay so three things that made this film not so exciting to her but the good news was she and the director vincent grew closer during the filming and actually by the time the film came out they were living together Mm -hmm. but going back to the film remember judy had fears that this was not going to go over well Mm -hmm. but one of the articles said no you know in this case she didn't call it quite correctly Mm -hmm. because this person said quote it holds everything for the film fan and it did because it hits all the seasons it does it does even even despite her weird hair oh don't (laughs) like her hair it's a poofy bang and it looks more like it belongs in the 80s it's just like the little poof and then the stick straight (laughs) hair i'm like that doesn't that hair is not for you judy i'm gonna say i was better with her hair than her older sister in the film's hair i don't remember oh it was boofier oh gosh it was the boofy bangs yeah well this movie was actually the second highest earning film of the year behind Going My Way Mm. and it was MGM's most popular musical of the 1940s. They said that audiences love the family warmth. They love the songs. Well, it was a perfect time. The war, 1944, we're Mm -hmm. in year three of the war. We just, and that song, I'm sure that song was just something you would go back to hear over and over again. Yeah. Thinking of your family that's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it had other songs too. I mean, in addition to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, you mentioned the trolley song. Mm-hmm. There was that little straw hat and cane routine. Under the Bamboo Tree was the name of that one. And some people enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And there was the song, The Boy Next Door. So it had several songs mm-hmm. that people really liked, especially mm-hmm. at that time. I don't know that all of them have lingered and mm-hmm. had the same staying power. But at that time, they were they were well received. Now, Judy and Vincent married in 1945. And their daughter, Liza, was born in 1946. But again, it wasn't the happy time that you might have expected. It said that in the weeks that followed Liza's birth, Judy remained bedridden. Mm. And though it was not diagnosed at the time, many now believe she was suffering from postpartum depression. Mm. It was almost a full year before Judy returned to work. And they said that even that return, you know, that revival of her career was cut short by a nervous breakdown that culminated in her stay at two different psychiatric clinics. So she was struggling. She was. Yeah. So... It got worse. They said that she was really just breaking down emotionally. They felt like she was exhausted from her years of constant work. (laughs) This reliance on medication was starting to really get to her. And this was around the time that she started to develop a reputation for being unreliable and unstable. Right. Which look at the previous sentences that you just said, Mm -hmm. and there's your reason. Right. In fact, this was an event that really hurt her in terms of her career and her reputation. There were some situations with different movies where she just got a bad rap. Mm-hmm. So here's a couple of examples. On February 2nd, 1949, Variety ran an item that said that Judy and Howard Keel were going to star in Annie, Get Your Gun. Mm. She ended up getting fired from that one. Uh-huh. Yep. 
there was a lot of publicity around the fact that she was butting heads with the director. She started to miss work. And so they suspended her from that film. And then, then of course, there was a lot of hoopla about finding her replacement. Mm -hmm. They were considering all these different actresses. They eventually went with Betty Hutton. Mm -hmm. Well, this, I mean, this was not good news for, for mm -mm. Judy. Mm -mm. I mean, this was very well publicized and it looked bad on her. She was also suspended for not reporting to work on Royal Wedding. That was in early 1950. And so on October 4th of 1950, the magazine Variety reported that after 15 years at MGM, Judy Garland was now, quote, a free agent at mm. her own request. Now mm. it said at her own request, but it sounded like they were ready to let her go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They used her up and let her go. Yeah. In fact, a different article came right out and said it. They phrased it that MGM had dropped her from her contract because of her emotional and physical difficulties. Mm. And this is where her career was just going into a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And her marriage was too. Mm -hmm. So reportedly, Judy was even responsible for getting Vincent removed as director of Easter Parade. They mm. were not getting along. That was in one article that I saw. According to that same town and country article that I've referenced, the one that talked about her marriages, they mentioned three potential causes for the deterioration of their marriage. There was... Judy's spiral into increasing drug use, many, many suicide attempts. Mm. Different articles mentioned that Vincent had talked about. Now, the, this is just from him. So this mm -hmm. is alleged, but mm -hmm. possibly as many as 20 across the course of their relationship, wow. knowing each other. Mm -hmm. And also, supposedly, he was having some affairs with men. Mm. So they separated in 1949. They did not officially divorce, however, until 1952. Now, just as an interesting little side note, it was that same year that Liza at age three appeared. in the good old summertime yes, that was her yes. first movie appearance it was in yes. the final shot as yes. they're walking out i looked it up on youtube yes she's so cute <laughs> she was adorable well in 1951 judy began to rebuild her career with help from producer sid left who basically mm -hmm. took over as her stage mm -hmm. manager and i'm we, assuming that mom is out of the picture at this point i have not like seen it. her name in quite some time yeah. yeah i'm not sure when she dropped out but mm -hmm. you make a good observation mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sid would, of course, end up becoming her husband, but he was great for her career. He knew she had so much talent. He yeah. really focused a lot on her singing. He made some, helped her make, I should say, some really great moves that brought her back. She starred in her own show on Broadway at the Palace Theater, which drew large crowds and ran for more than 20 weeks. It had a note that said more than simply showcasing her powerful and expressive voice. The review also proved that she was a dedicated performer helping to dispel those earlier negative stories about yeah. her. So he was helping her to rebuild her reputation yes. too. Yes. Yeah. She earned a special Tony Award in 1952 for that because they, they said this was Actually, she was contributing to the revival of vaudeville mm. by doing this. And by the way, her show was at the Palace Theater in New York City. So they married, Sid and Judy married in 1952, but their relationship was not an easy one either. All kinds of problems with their relationship, despite the fact that he was, he was really helping. working and, mm. and, and helping her. Yes, it started off on a very sad note as well, because Judy discovered she was pregnant while preparing for one of her shows in New York. And for the second time in her life, this article said she felt pressured to get an abortion for the sake of her career. Mm. Nonetheless, the couple did move on. They were married in 1952. They had then, not long after, actually, their first child, Lorna. Mm -hmm. And then Joey came three years later in 1955. So Lorna was 1952. Now... Her career was definitely improving. That's the positive. And the big thing that helped her was the movie A Star is Born. Yes. Did you see that one? Oh, I've seen clips from it. I don't think I've seen the full movie yet. Yeah. I've seen, the only version I've seen is the most recent version of that film. Okay. Which was 2018. Yes. With Lady Gaga and Bradley, and Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Yes. What it said in different, several different articles was that she was just unbelievable. Yeah. It was an outstanding performance. She starred opposite James Mason and she was playing this woman who obtains stardom at the price of love is how they put it. A Variety review back at the time, this is 1954, said, quote, Miss Garland is splendid, adding that her way with a song makes sheer magic of the man that got away. And it went on and, and talked about all these other wonderful things that she did. Now, Judy's husband, Sid, actually was one of the producers and the film garnered six Oscar nominations, including a Best Actress nomination for Judy. I wish Judy. she had won. Yeah, but she lost to Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the really disappointing part was that this was meant to be her comeback. Mm -hmm. This was meant to just ricochet her back to superstardom <laughs> again, and it didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, it brought out the fact that her co-star, James Mason, this really helped his career, mm. but not hers. I wonder why. I don't know, but it was just this morning I caught this interview. It was from 2018, so it was several years ago, but it was an Australian TV interview with Lorna Luft because she wrote a book that came out in 2018 called A Star is Born, Judy Garland and the Film That Got Away. Did oh, you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, so we need to read that because okay. it sounded really good. But in this interview, she shared a few interesting behind the scenes about the movie. For example, Cary Grant was their original yes. oh my choice. That would have been amazing. Well, he said he couldn't do it because he didn't feel like he could carry off the role of a deteriorating, mm. you know, That's entertainer. True. That's probably true. He, he didn't feel like that was him. So, of course, then it went to James Mason. But Lorna said that she felt like this movie was just such a disappointment because her mother did such an amazing job. And it, it was like she got cheated in some yeah. ways because it was just amazing and, and it didn't bring her back the way it was supposed to. But a comment that Lorna made that I just thought was super insightful about the movie was she said it's not a Hollywood movie she said it's about a young person who is ascending while an older person is descending mm -hmm. so it's not Hollywood mm -mm. it's a movie about life mm -hmm. and that it, it explores themes that everybody can relate to I wonder if it's because Judy had already done the ascension so she'd already been the star that rises and they saw her more as the husband's character in the descension mm -hmm. you know I don't know I don't I'm know. just I'm just saying, just speculating. saying words, yeah. yeah. Well, this interview with Lorna was really super interesting. She goes on to talk about the other versions of A Star is Born mm -hmm. and hits on the version with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments she made was that her mom was the one who introduced Barbara Streisand. Did you know that? I did, yes. Mm -hmm. In 1963 on the Judy Garland show. Yeah, they had a song together. I absolutely love that. Did not know that. It's like passing the baton. Well, despite the fact that Judy did not get the comeback she wanted, in fact, she actually only appeared on screen in three more movies in the next 15 years. Is Judgment at Nuremberg one of them? Yes. Phenomenal. She is out of this world in that one. I have seen that and it's just, it's amazing. She's not, she's not out for very long, mm -hmm. but her time on the stand, whew, it gives me goosebumps on my legs. I'm feeling them. You could not have done a better segue because that's actually what I was going to say next. Oh, okay. With only doing three movies, the next one was 1961's Judgment at Nuremberg and she earned an Academy Award nomination. She should that because she was so good yeah but they said that during the 1960s despite that performance she actually spent most of her time as a singer so in 1961 she won grammy awards for best solo vocal performance and album of the year for judy at carnegie hall that ain't no slouch it is not but they again point out she's one of the greatest singers of all time but those are actually her only grammy wins of That's her career crazy. it's crazy it's like Cary grant never winning an oscar oh yeah really yeah yeah you're right it's crazy i think he was given an honorary one but he never won yeah. for acting because i think he made it look too easy they didn't think right. he was acting <laughs> yeah it's just him yeah <laughs> and that's when you know it's a professional when they make it look easy right well judy went on to try her hand at television from 1963 to 1964 she starred in the judy garland show that we referenced just a minute mm -hmm. ago it went through a lot of changes in its short run but they said some of the strongest moments were when she got to showcase her singing ability and also of course they love those highlights of when she brought her two daughters yeah. on so both lauren and Liza made appearances. And she would often change the lyrics. Like she'd say, well, hello, Liza. Aww. And when they did Hello, Dolly, it was cute. <laughs> nice. Her old co-star, Mickey Rooney, appeared on there as well. So for her work on the show, she earned an Emmy Award nomination for she Outstanding She was almost an EGOT. She was almost an EGOT. So close. Mm, Give so the girl close. an Oscar. Well, when her television series ended, she was still in demand as an entertainer. So she started doing a lot more of her gigs. Her basically kind of her concert concert tour, if you would. And Sid is still there. He's helping her manage and, and helping her run this successful concert career. But their personal life together is just a nightmare, apparently. They've, they've had separation 
separation after separation and they divorced in 1965 after a bitter custody mm. battle. According to that same Town and Country article, it was Judy's long-standing issues with depression, drug use, and alcoholism that were really weighing on her. And they also said that even though Sid appeared very publicly to be a supportive husband, Judy told a judge during their 1965 divorce proceedings that he had struck her on numerous occasions and also drank heavily. These were things that he denied. Yeah. In fact, he wrote part of a memoir that somebody else finished after his death. Mm -hmm. So that memoir was called Judy and I, My Life with Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. And it was actually, it was published many years after his death. And supposedly, I did not obviously read this. I haven't even read an excerpt from it. But supposedly, he tells kind of his side of the story mm -hmm. in this. And he definitely denied those allegations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Judy quickly remarried. This time, it was to an actor and a tour manager named Mark Heron. They met while he was helping produce her two 1964 shows at the London Palladium with her daughter, Liza, who was 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. And supposedly the two started to a lot of rumors, you know, people were talking about their romance and, and impending marriage, even though at that moment she was not yet divorced from Sid. Mm -hmm. After her divorce was finalized, the two were married in Las Vegas in November of 1965, but within five months they had officially separated and by 1967 their divorce was finalized. And Judy testified that this fella, Mark Heron, was also abusive, but he reportedly said that he had, quote, only hit her in self-defense. So that same year of their divorce, she made her critically acclaimed return to Broadway in the show At Home at the Palace. And the next year, she went to London. By this point, she was in big personal and financial trouble, according to the different articles. In fact, some people said during her performances at the London's Talk of the Town nightclub, you could visibly see that she was just not in good shape. Yeah. She was yeah. really struggling. And then her last and shortest marriage took place just three months before she died. Mm -hmm. She was floundering, they said, and she came across this fella, Mickey Deans, whose actual birth name was Michael Davinko. He was a former band leader and club manager in the late 1960s. And Judy, of course, at this time is struggling, but feeling pressure to continue to perform because of her debt. So she's challenged mentally, physically. And when she runs across Mickey Deans, he's 12 years her junior. Supposedly, they met when he came to her hotel room in New York to deliver drugs and they hit it off and started oh, dating no. and were married within a few years in 1969. They married in London. They rented a house together and that is actually where Judy overdosed just 12 days after her 47th birthday. So on June 22nd, 1969, her new husband, Mickey Deans, broke down the locked bathroom door in their London flat and found her dead. Following an autopsy, the coroner officially ruled her cause of death to be self-administered accidental overdose on barbiturates, which was a then common sleep aid. Mm. Variety reported that 22,000 people stood in line, some for more than four hours to get a glimpse of her when they did their funeral services in New York. A quote said, surprising to most of the press was the fact that the thousands of mourners were across cross-section of every conceivable age and type. Mm -hmm. Judy Garland seemingly represented something to each of them. And as part of his eulogy, James Mason said, quote, Judy's greatest gift was that she could wring tears out of the hearts of rock. Mm. And of course, her legacy was continued by her daughters, both of whom are singers and have had different levels of success, but sure. they've both been successful. Yes. And we've mentioned that Lorna wrote that 1998 autobiography, Me and My Shadows, a family memoir. I think that's the one I read. Mm -hmm. And then the one that came out in 2018, I've already referenced as well. The, the one you read, the 1998 version, became the basis for a 2001 television miniseries called oh. Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows. Hmm. I did not see that. I but, I don't know if I did or not. And in one of the articles, it made the note that despite her premature death, Judy continues to maintain a devoted following. There are countless fan sites online as well as published biographies that explore just basically every aspect of her life mm -hmm. from her brilliant talent, her professional successes and failures, and her personal struggles. And we know that just this past 2019 there was a biopic called yeah. Judy starring Renee Zellweger that 
was very focused in just on her final year or so okay. when she was really kind of at the end. I'd like and to see that the most. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not see it, but it was interesting. I just kind of looked up some reviews and I saw everything from people who were saying that Renee Zellweger did an amazing job to others who were not as impressed. Mm-hmm. Some people actually, I think I what I saw the most, I think, were people who didn't like that the script was so focused on just her end. Mm. I think they felt like it did not capture Judy Garland and who she was, that it was too focused in on her struggles and where she was when she was basically at at one of the hardest points of her life. One last comment. I thought this was interesting. You know, of course, Liza Minnelli has had a very high profile career herself Mm -hmm. and also some of the same struggles that her mom had, which is sad. I did not know this, but it said, though she would often speak of her mother on chat shows, Liza refused to sing Over the Rainbow until she did it in 2002 as a tribute to her mom Mm. during the Liza's Back tour that she took. Mm -hmm. It just kind of got me a little bit. Yeah, because it's her mom's song. Yeah. Armchair psychologist. All right, Ashley. Well, I hope we did Judy justice. I know we had to, you know, cut leave out a lot, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. For our armchair, let's just give our personal thoughts. What about her iconic life or her her stardom and also her her deterioration herself? I think the great tragedy of Judy is that it was her heartbreak that gave her her fame Mm -hmm. because she was so traumatized and she internalized all that trauma. And then when she was asked to do these very emotional songs that talk about heartbreak, you felt her heartbreak, which made her beloved to other people experiencing Mm -hmm. heartbreak. So it's kind of like we're... Unfortunately, celebrating the fact that this woman was just emotionally tortured, but her emotional torture resonated with our own mm-hmm. inner struggles. So I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard to love a person who is so unhappy. You know, would I have rather she was not famous and happy? What do, what do you do with that? What do you do with celebrities that are exploited, but yet we enjoy their performances that are because of exploitation? You know mm, what I mean? It's yeah. a struggle. Yeah. You make me think about the fact that it is sad. Like I, I can't presume to know, you know, what Judy felt and sure. what her inner thoughts were. But based on this, what I've read, probably I'm guessing there were a few times in her life where she actually sat back and thought, wow, I'm feeling really good right now. Mm-hmm. I feel really successful or I feel really valued mm-hmm. or, you know, those moments when she could just actually enjoy her life. Yes. Just kind of like rest in it and just feel good. I don't think that happened very often. I don't often. think so. But on the flip side, what you said first resonates with me as well. The fact that you are looking at this woman who would seem to have a perfect life. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's got incredible talent. She's got a situation where she's starring in movies. People adore her. People love her. She has access to a lot of wealth and things and and people that you might want to meet. Mm -hmm. All of that would seem wonderful. And yet she's so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. She's so tortured in some ways. She's struggling so deeply against people people or substances or, or whatever these things might be that are just threatening her happiness and even her her health. Yeah, her very life. That's yeah. another thing that gets me is they put her on this path and then they abandoned her mm-hmm. on the path and they kicked her out and they could have they could have helped her but they didn't they just it's also lets you know how much of Hollywood is about money above all and we're going to do whatever we can to make you a money making machine and then when we use you up and destroy you we're going to go on to the next person who can make us the money mm-hmm. like you don't matter it's just your ability to make us money is what matters yeah and it's a good word vulnerable is a very very good word for her and that's also with Marilyn she had that vulnerability mm-hmm that just really touched your heart. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most enlightening things for me doing this podcast and having a chance to delve into the lives and careers of some of old Hollywood, yeah. some of the old stars, I don't mean old in that way, sure. but you know what I'm saying, Yeah, is I did not understand the way that the studio owned you. Yes. I did not understand Literally started, changed your name and your identity. Changed your name, put you on pills, yes. told you you're, you're going to lose weight, told you which movies you're allowed to do, what right. you're not, tried to put 
push you into or out of your relationships, depending on what would look better yes. for them or what might advance Choosing your career. Choosing your family plan for you. Yes. I mean, I, you, you hear, you know, you would hear like the phrases like, oh, the studio or, mm-hmm. you know, the control. But when you see it in somebody's life, yeah. this is a wonderful, talented human being whose life was dictated and changed, not necessarily for the better. Yeah, right. <laughs> by by these other people. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, li- it's, it's very It's almost tragic. like you have literally made a deal with, if you want to call it the devil, or, or you have traded your life for this extreme fame. Because if you mm-hmm. look into all of these people who have this extreme fame, have we found anyone who was like, oh, they had a great childhood <laughs> and, <laughs> and they had a lovely time growing up? No, everyone is... They they had the extreme fame, but they also had the extreme heartbreak and tragedy, and mm-hmm. it's so sad. It is sad. Well, let's lift things up just a tiny bit. Okay. Let's focus on, I'm going to go back to Meet Me in St. Louis. Okay. And I thought about, as I was watching it, Judy Garland had reservations because she wanted an adult role. Mm-hmm. And I was watching her in that movie, and I was like, she came across almost maternal. Mm-hmm. Because the way they portrayed her in that movie, she kind of took care of her older sister she definitely treated her younger sister Tootie as mm-hmm. though she were kind of a mom and then she was going after the guy she loved and I was watching her and she just owned that movie she was just unbelievably poised talented confident entertaining and that was a Judy I'd never seen before and so that's the Judy I'm thinking of Good. right now Good. as we give a big old cheers to Judy Garland cheers to you cheers If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.